Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello everyone. I'm Scott. And I am Maddie, and welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing community and how that relates to living the harder way. You know, community is probably not what you think of when you think of something I desperately need in order to help me survive Mm -hmm. religious restrictions, survive persecution, survive suffering. Yeah. Because suffering is ubiquitous. Suffering is something that every Christian experiences. Every person every experiences. Day. Right. And, really. we, and we experience it be, as Christians. Uh, in fact, I would say that, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not saying this, the Bible says this, that there's an intimacy with Christ that can only be known through suffering. Because he suffered. Right. They talk about that in 2 Corinthians and, and Christ suffering and us having to uh, suffer as well. And then us being able to be comforted by the Holy Spirit and comforting others with the comfort we've been given. Right. Taking yeah. up your cross is not about, you know, getting your new your new Lexus and, and driving yeah. on down to the to the, to the port of, of Los Angeles to get on your cruise ship. <laughs> it's not? <laughs> no, surprise. Yeah, huh? I'm I, confused. I've been keeping this from you for decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, community is huge. And a community is a place where you are able to know others and able to be known. Mm. It's a place where your contribution, even if it's just your presence, is significant enough to where people notice when you're not there. It's a place where when you are like in, uh, in Luke... Uh, I think it's chapter five. Luke five, and it's also in Mark two. Okay, when it t- when we have the story of the man who was paralyzed, and his friends took him up on the roof of a house. Jesus was teaching inside. Mm-hmm. They dig a hole through the roof, irritating <laughs> <laughs> for the homeowner. <laughs> for the homeowner, uh, and they lower their friend down before Jesus so he can be healed. I mean, that is the picture of why community is a life giving thing, mm. and what real community looks like. So imagine in your own life, you get cancer, your child dies, you know, something simple, your car's broken down, you lost your job and you just need some extra money, Mm -hmm. uh, but you're too prideful to ask for it. Hello, that's been me. Um, (laughs) You know, any of those kinds of situations where people will notice. I don't think the guy that was a paralytic had to say, hey guys, have you noticed I'm a paralytic? (laughs) He he was in community. His friends uh, saw it. And they took him to Jesus. They were his friends were able to take him to Jesus when he could not take himself. And I think that's a picture of when we as Christians are going through some of those trials that are so difficult that even just abiding in Christ through prayer and Bible reading can just feel like the hardest things in the world. Yeah. That we can abide in Christ through the community of his body. Right. And that we have those people that can take us to him, show us him when we just don't feel like we can 
approach him ourselves. Obviously, we know we can, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like it. Right. You know, walking the harder way, the way of faith, it can feel like a solo journey. You can feel very isolated and alone. And Mm -hmm. our adversary wants you to feel isolated and alone. So you might say, well, I've got Scott and Maddie on the journey with me, right? (laughs) We're not on the journey with you. We are encouraging you. We are teaching you. But we're like a picture on a screen. We are a two-dimensional voice. You need people around you that you can discuss the things that we discuss, Mm -hmm. that you can, uh, uh, with them, that you can live uh, uh, out these things with them, that you can encourage each other by asking each other, have you chosen the harder way? Are you sure Mm -hmm. this is the way of faith? You know, have you gotten to the place where you say, I don't know, but the Lord knows. And where you can ask them the same thing. Uh, and where we and then where when we fall short, we can go and say, "I fell short. Don't worry, brother. Don't worry, sister. It's a learning, growing journey. Journey. Let's pray together. Let's let's purpose to do better mm-hmm. next time. If we sin, let's repent from our sin. And and we're always doing like those four friends, pointing each other to Jesus, mm-hmm. taking each other to Jesus. Really, taking each other. That's, that's a powerful a- thing. It's a powerful illustration for what community really should be, and what we as Christians are in desperate need of. You know, when I was a pastor, oftentimes we would finish church on Sunday morning and I would be like, you know, all the problems that I thought were here have been resolved. Hmm. I've learned how to preach because I couldn't preach when I first started. <laughs> uh, and when I haven't preached for a couple of years, I you, you might, feel you the might, same way. I might feel the same way. <laughs> I had learned how to preach. We had a good worship service. The communion service ran perfectly. We had great pre-service prayer. We had great, uh, we, had, we had, you know, altar call at the end of the service. People came forward to get saved. And then I would go home and I would just be depressed. Mm. I would be like, something's missing. Yeah. And then um, the founder of our ministry, Don, and, and, and his wife, Marion, the, the co-founders, they came into my life. First, they demonstrated something to me when I asked them for prayer. Would you pray for me? And then a pastor, that's hard to do. Yeah. And rather than them saying, yes, I'll pray for you and walking away, they said, well, let's pray right now. Mm. They took, yeah. they, they grabbed my hand and ran with me to yeah, Jesus. Yeah, let's pray right now. I like, Absolutely. I do that all the time now. If you ask me to pray for you, I'm praying right then. Yeah. It's also because I'm forgetful. But yeah. I'm going to pray You'll right now. You'll know then. for sure I've prayed for you because I'm for praying for you right now. 100% for sure I've prayed for you because at least once because I prayed right then. If I didn't pray with you, I stopped what I was doing and I prayed in front of the email or whatever it was. But, and I know you're the same way. Mm-hmm. And I know you love to pray. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to like taking you to the hospital because you were so good at praying with people who were sick in the hospital. I used to think, wow, I wish I was as good as her. And she's only 10 <laughs> I'm years. like a little kid. She's just like go, all right, guys, old. I need to pray with you right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a, it was a thing of beauty. Um, and when we, when we, uh, uh, when I went with them, when they invited me and introduced me to the persecuted church, Donna Marion, and they, they invited me to go, I was scared, but yeah. I went. And when I was there, I went, oh, they have what I'm missing. This thing, this je ne sais quoi, as the French say, yeah. which means I don't know what. Um, <laughs> this thing, this this uh, this uh, manna, which, mean, which is what, what? Is it? What is it? This thing I couldn't identify. I, I saw, I'm like, okay, it's here. Now, what is it? How do I identify it? And over time, you come to see that this key thing that we were missing was real 
fellowship in the context of a life-giving community. Hmm. Real fellowship where you know each other, where you're dependent upon one another. Yeah. Right? All I needed from the people in the church was for them to tithe faithfully so they could pay me my little salary. It was, it was very small. Yeah. But it, but it was it was a salary. And it was, yeah. that's, that's, and we could keep the lights on and keep the building open. I didn't really need anything from them. That's my fault because I wasn't living in fellowship and community with the congregation. Hmm. And they were doing it a little bit with each other, but not so much. Yeah. You Not know? in the way that you were seeing in the persecuted church. In the persecuted church, I saw that their life rhythms were built around the church. So they had their life, their life was built around Jesus, around his people mm-hmm. being the body of Christ, yeah. and around his purpose. And we should say, too, that when we're talking about building you know, lives around the church, that you're talking about that in the sense of the church being the body of Christ and not necessarily the institution of the church. Yes. Because let's be honest, there are ways to build your life around the institutional church here in the U.S. You're volunteering for everything. You're on every committee. You're doing every event without having real meaningful community because you're busying yourself up with doing things, quote unquote, for God or for the church, and you're not actually being part of what the church is truly intended to be, the body of Christ. Here's another tweetable statement. and Fresh bread. It's coming to me right now, but it's so true. Okay. Let's see if I can get it out right. Okay. I have never been further from the Lord than I when I, when I was the busiest and doing the most for the Lord. Hmm. Wow. Busyness is a tool of the enemy that he will use to separate you from your intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He will stop you from abiding. Yes. Right? And you go from the role of being follower of Jesus in in, in a submissive relationship to Jesus uh, to being I'm in control. I'm large and in charge and I'll do the Jesus stuff and you know and I and you wow. might be doing amazing things. You might have a church of 10,000 people. You might be listened to all over the world. So here, here's a, here's a thought on that. You just said you may have, you know, have tens of thousands of people in your church and listen to all over the world. And you're saying that this busyness, you know, that when you're that busy with all these ministry things, it's so easy to get far away from God. Mm. Do we think then that that is at least part of why we have this absolute crisis of moral failings with big Christian leaders? Do we think it's because they're not having that meaningful Christian community themselves? They're not having that deep, intimate relationship with Christ themselves, but they've busied themselves up with church things and ministry things. Well, I think your question is important because this is one of the things that the enemy uses to keep people out of church, right? Mm -hmm. They're all hypocrites and they're... Look, yes, we're all hypocrites. Let's just get that out of the way. We're all, every person. <laughs> we're all imperfect. We all have impure thoughts. We all struggle with different kinds of sins, or they pop up from here to there. I mean, your mm-hmm. pride is like a constant companion. And every time you think you've yeah. dealt with pride, everybody has pride in some way. Everybody's judgmental in some way. Everyone mm-hmm. struggles with some. Sin that seems to just keep popping up in their life. Oh, yeah. And you, and you say, you know, one of the things that I'm, you know, most proud of is my humility. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Help me again. 
lost the humility there. You asked a very important question, and I would say this, uh, because, you know, having been a pastor, I it, it hurts me in a deep way. To see the, these to see a pastor failings. fall to see a pastor yeah. fall, and also behind closed doors, I, I might I might choke a bro if, if <laughs> you know if I find out he's doing some of these things and yeah. then, but without accountability, but not in public. Obviously, we keep those things behind the door. That's that's, that's yeah. brother to brother, private pastor violence, pastor to pastor, private no, violence. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're not we're not saying any type of violence no, no, is good. No, no, Read no. what Jesus says about that. That's this is right. all in all in jest. Yes, but in all seriousness, we. We need to recognize, number one, that the pastor, because the pastor is not experiencing real community with his mm. body, with his, yeah. and I mean the body of Christ, the local yeah. church that he's leading, or yes. she's leading, he's, he's supposed to be shepherding. Right, the shepherding. They have no outlet. Mm-hmm. And so here's what happens. Pastor, pastors, uh, um, uh, here's a story on the news about... Uh, well, we had a local story. This this actually happened to me. We had a local story in uh, uh, in Sacramento, and there was a woman who was um, a stripper whose child was going to a Christian school, and I think, as I recall, the school was asking the mom to leave and bring take her son out of the school because she violated a morality clause. Okay, and it was in the news. It was a whole big deal. So I. Um, Wanted to get more information on it because I wanted to make an informed decision because if I'm being honest, every single news story that I've had firsthand knowledge of in my entire life has been grossly misreported. So yeah. I don't trust the news. So best not to just so, believe right off the bat whatever so, the so news I, And the internet was younger then, a lot younger. And I, and I, I don't even know if Google was around. I, I searched the story. And when I searched it, you know, somebody had set it up. Porn popped up immediately. Right. Probably because you typed the word stripper into the internet search. Could be. You know, Probably I, not the best idea looking was, back. The first, internet was young. It was my first boomer move, even though I'm not a boomer. Um, and so um, there was a moment there where I saw some things I shouldn't see. And what what do I do about that? Now, there's a couple things I can do. Now, now the, I can go to the Lord. I can confess. I can confess whatever thoughts I had, whatever sin took place. Even if it was a mistake, I can confess. I can I can intend in my heart to not repeat it, and I can truly believe the Lord has forgiven me because because if we if we confess our sins, He is faithful, faithful and, just and just to forgive. To forgive right? them. Absolutely. So I can believe it's done with. But if I just try to hide that, meaning I I try to hide from God, right? The the foolishness of thinking God's not omniscient, yeah, all knowing, and I try to hide from Him, then what happens is that little tiny seed. Starts popping at my head, mm. you know. Yeah, and uh, um, and, and Satan uses those things, right? And he'll pop that back in your head, and next thing you know, you're um, you're thinking about those things more and more, and then you're like, I need to go search it again. I need to find more, and you're hiding it, and it's building up, and that's what happens. Maybe it's not a visual sexual uh, sin or something like that, but maybe it's something else that a pastor's mm-hmm. dealing with, and they're they just keep stuffing it down. Could be gambling, could be lying, could be drinking, could be gossiping, it, anything really. It really is. And so we don't need to name the sin as much as we need to acknowledge that whatever that sin is, even if it's just pride. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one. Or if it's in operating out of a position of fear. Mm-hmm. If you just keep stuffing it down, it grows and grows and grows and grows. And mm-hmm. before you know it, 
you know, it, it it's like a, a little cute puppy. You get this puppy and you bring it home. It's got a warm belly, likes to eat. It, it's cute when it drinks a little, you know, it eats its mm-hmm. food and drinks its yeah. water and it plays and you love it. And before you know it, it's a 300 pound, you know, Alaska, or what, what are those giant dogs? The, the, uh, it's like Marmaduke. The, yeah, Marmaduke. Yeah. yeah. And it's taken over your life and your whole life is now being run by this thing. Sins the same way. So I think mm-hmm. pastors don't have an outlet mm-hmm. and, uh, or they choose not to have an outlet. Yeah, when you don't when when pastors don't have that meaningful community, they don't have a place where they can share what's been going on in their lives. It's a very dangerous and very sad thing because we know that with uh pastors and teachers and those who are held to that higher standard that the enemy is constantly putting just a myriad of temptations in front of them trying to see what'll stick, right? Like let's just accidentally put porn on their computer. Let's, you know, put this, you know, expose them to this type of gambling and ask people to do it. And let's put these, you know, different things in there that are going to make them prideful or make them want to be deceitful or anything like that. The enemy is just throwing everything at pastors and seeing what will stick. And if pastors don't have that meaningful community and a place where they can say, man, the enemy has just been throwing everything at me lately, then there's going to be a much better chance that those things are going to stick and that they're going to evolve into something that, you know, may result in one of those big moral failings. And so if you believe that prayer is a real thing Mm -hmm. and that there is tremendous power in praying to God. Mm -hmm. And we do. Pray for your fellow church members. Pray for your pastor. He needs it, right. and pray for your, pray for your uh, uh, the persecuted church as well, because we need to pray for all three that they don't compromise. Absolutely, whatever the motivation. Mm-hmm. So let's 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 drill home back in again on on our on community. So we see that pastor needs community, and we see a little bit about what community is supposed to be. But I think there's some ways, and we've discussed this before. And maybe you could hit on them uh, just briefly. Mm-hmm. There's some ways that the American church has really been structured, or American society has been structured, that actually fights against us experiencing real Christian community. Yes, absolutely. Because we know that uh, it's not just the pastors that need this meaningful community. It's every single Christian needs to be engaged in meaningful Christian community. And there are two primary things that I've observed in American society that I think inhibit that community. The first is uh, the fact that physical communities and neighborhoods, uh, those aren't what people are experiencing uh, or seeing reflected in their churches. What do I mean by this? With reliable transportation and freeways and the way that our society is, people are driving, you know, relatively great distances to go to church. And so people are not going to church with people that are in their actual physical communities. And that makes it a lot harder to, we'll say the Christian phrase, do life. It's harder to do life with someone when they live 20, 30, 40 minutes away versus when they're the ones who are living in your neighborhood, your kids are going to school together, you're part of the same social organizations, you know, you're going in the same community pools. It's it's a lot easier uh, to have that intentional community when your Christian community is in your physical community. You know what's harder when your uh, Christian community is in your physical community is stuffing down and hiding your sin. 
Exactly, because pe- there, there are just people around right. and all so, the time. So when you're at the baseball game and you lose your temper at the coach, yep. and we've I, I coached Little League, I've had this happen that at happen. me. Yeah. Although I, I'm a big guy, so people weren't quite as uh, anxious to yeah. start screaming at me. <laughs> but maybe some of your assistant coaches so, or oh, yeah. other coaches, yeah. yeah but people would... People would uh, you know, I've seen it. I've seen, you know, people lose it on the referees or, or I mean the umpires or lose it on the on the coaches or or even screaming at their own kid. You're not as likely to do that when half your church is sitting in the stands. Yes. You're exactly. not as likely to be out, you know, drinking, drinking, throwing back Budweiser's and tossing the cans in the street in your front yard when three people on your street are elders in your church. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Absolutely. it's because so proximity to other believers, in addition to many of the other benefits uh, of the mutual support benefits, there's also the mutual accountability benefits that mm-hmm. require us to be our better selves. Yes. So so proximity is is a really critical oh, aspect. And so that's yeah. the first thing. And the second thing has to do with busyness. I think the busyness of American society inhibits meaningful Christian community. Because if we think about the typical American family, mom and dad, you know, we'll say two kids, mom and dad both work nine to fives, kids go to school all day. So between dropping the kids off, picking them up, having to go to work, you're really, your time is taken up from pretty much seven in the morning till 630 at night by the time that you guys are all home together. And so you have these Christian families that really only have two to three hours of time to spend with each other each day. And that time is not just free hangout, fellowship, discipleship time. It's dinner and bath time and homework. And maybe, you know, they have to go to sports games or sports practices during that time. Maybe mom or dad has a project that they have to do for work the next day or the kids have a science project. And so everyone's time is so taken up with the busyness of general life. And we're not Mm -hmm. even talking about all of the house cleaning and cooking and cleaning and taxes and life and all that that has to get done. Right. Okay. So what we're seeing is people being so wrapped up in the busyness of their own lives that they have no time, no margin for meaningful Christian community. So yes, they're going to church every single Sunday, but that's all they're doing. And they're not spending time after service talking to people. They're not part they're of zipping any. In and yeah, out. they're zipping in and out. And they're not part of any Bible studies or small groups. They're not inviting other couples from church over. They're not doing anything like that because just that small one to one and a half hours on Sunday, that's pushing it for them because that is just how busy people are. Well, let's let's go back uh, and forth for a minute and let's just throw back and forth with each other some ideas about ways you can find Christian community. Yeah. Right? Because, you know, we saw in the COVID times that people tried to find Christian community online. And that was relatively unsuccessful for many. If you were able to substitute what was going on in church for an online experience, like one for one, one. and you didn't feel a great vacuum, a great hole in your chest, a great loss, then you were never in true community. Because Mm -hmm. there are things that happen in person that cannot happen on the internet. Now, I'm not saying it was bad. It served its purpose. But there is more. We need... God did not... God said it was bad for man to be alone. Hello, read Genesis. 
It was the first right. thing God said was bad. Was that right? The first thing he said was bad. When the early church got together, what's the first thing they did? They all gathered together. They had everything in common, and they cared for each other, and they listened to the apostles' teachings. Acts chapter yeah, that's, two. As I say, Acts two forty two. <laughs> right. I mean, and and Jesus was in community. He was very seldom alone. When he was alone, he was with the Father. He was always with at least his three core disciples. Mm-hmm. Right. He was in community. He was in fellowship. He was around others who were like-minded and going the same direction. And if Jesus is our archetype, our example, the example of, of what we should be striving towards in our human existence, then that means that that meaningful community is something that we need to be striving for. And I want to just be very clear as we're kind of throwing these ideas back and forth. This is not, uh, this is not intended to make anyone feel bad, to make anyone say, wow, I'm such a loser. I'm a bad Christian because I don't have this community or to make anyone feel, oh, God doesn't love me because he hasn't given me this community yet. No, all this. We're just wanting to encourage you to strive for this, to pray earnestly for this. And we believe that, you know, in some way or another, God will be faithful to, uh, provide that in his providence in his timing so i just want to want to be clear with that because it can be a sensitive issue for a lot of people and full transparency neither maddie or i have ever found being in life-giving community to be easy Mm -hmm. we've never found it to be on the contrary (laughs) no we've never found it to be something that just gets handed to us yeah um I have experienced a lot of uh, of sense of rejection by christians and by the church throughout my life Mm -hmm. um so my encouragement to you is, no matter how rejected you feel, keep trying. Yeah. Keep reaching out. And know uh, that it's coming from people that have experienced that same rejection. That we're not those people that have just had these magical community experiences and are saying, oh, I know it's hard, but just push through. It'll all be fine. We're saying we know that it hurts to be rejected. Mm. We know what it feels like to feel isolated and feel like nobody wants to let you in to their community, mm-hmm. but that we've got to keep, we've got to keep pushing. We've got to choose the harder way. And the harder way is the way of faith. Mm-hmm. And your faith in this comes from you praying and trusting God to get you in the right circumstance or that you're already in the right circumstance. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a church and you feel disconnected, you disappear and nobody notices. What can you do? What are some ideas for that? One, pray. Yeah, right? number one. Through, the through all these things, pray. Two, ignore the enemy as he tries to remind you of all the times you've been rejected and hurt. Mm. Right? Yeah, especially, silence those thoughts. Right. And especially for men, you, you know, you're, maybe your father left when you were young. And so many of us are the, are the result of divorced families. And, and we have father wounds. And it's hard to reach out. And I remember when I was young talking to some people who had really great connections and really great fellowship. Yeah. And I was trying to make those connections and they just told me try harder. Mm. And it just about broke my heart because I was trying as hard as I could. Yeah. And I, it really hurt me a lot. And I want to tell you, um, I, I'm going to tell you, don't try harder. Keep trying mm. and trust the Lord. Keep reaching the Lord in the right time. He will bring along the right people. And it may only yes. be for a season. Mm-hmm. It may only be for a day. Think of my friend who was a sniper in the army, a, a, a platoon sniper, not like the like the kind you see in the movies. And he was on guard duty, and it was a, a Marine who was passing through, a Marine chaplain who was passing through towards uh, further in the front. 
and who just shared his faith with him one night and took a guy from an atheist to a one of the strongest Christians I know. Wow. One of the most dedicated. Oh, yeah, this guy's serious. And so, um, you know, that fellowship may be for a moment. It may be for an hour. It might be 10 minutes on an airplane. But God will provide you what you need. I look back about how I ached for a spiritual father. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have one now. Yeah. You know, and uh, it took me a while to recognize him, but but God has given me a spiritual father. I, I ached for real friends in the ministry. God took my childhood best friends and made them devout Christians. Wow. And so these now guys. Now isn't that a blessing? And I have these guys who know me since I was a bad little boy. <laughs> and now they're my brothers in Christ and we have this great fellowship together. So find fellowship in your saved friends. One of, that, one of them actually went to the persecuted church with you. On a mission and once and is begging to go again soon. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I would say also get in some conversations. You know, I have some guys that I meet with that are, you know, academic guys. They're really in spiritual formation realm. And we have a Zoom call once a week for an hour. And it's inconvenient. And it messes with my time. And it messes with my ability to be busy like I want to, (laughs) even though I shouldn't be as busy. And it's so life-giving to me. I always come off of those phone calls encouraged mm-hmm. and inspired. Uh, and we're just talking about the Lord. We're not even like trying to inspire each other. Absolutely. What are some ways you find And so fellowship? in terms of ideas for kind of how this fellowship thing might look, uh, one thing I really enjoy doing is making phone calls. Hmm. And so I really like to make phone calls to people and, you know, obviously you can't chat all day, but taking, you know, usually about an hour or so and chatting with people, friends, family members who live in in different areas uh, that are fellow believers and being able to encourage each other. And even if the conversation starts off just checking in about life, I find that almost every single time that I'm talking to them, the conversation ends up turning to spiritual things or turning to something about the Lord or about his word or how we can best uh, live our lives in Christ. And so we're able to encourage each other. We're able to share about things that we may need prayer for. So something simple like phone calls, something that I had done uh, when the weather was better. <laughs> we we live in an area of the country where we get very serious winters, but in the spring and summer, uh, a close friend and I were going to uh, the park a couple times a week up uh, in our neighborhood and just walking around, doing a couple laps at this park and having conversation, encouraging each other, talking about uh, our lives and things going on. And so it doesn't have to be a Bible study. It can be, and that's wonderful. It doesn't have to be a church-sanctioned life group, although those are wonderful as well. But it can just be going out to coffee with someone, having a conversation, going for a walk. If you are a mom that has young kids, organizing play dates with You know, between your kids where you and the other mom are fellow believers and you guys can uh, encourage each other and pray for one another and support each other while your kids are, you know, you're watching your kids play at the park or your kids are, you know, playing Legos on the floor while you guys are on the couch chatting, whatever it is. So it can come in in unique ways. It doesn't have to be um, always through the institutional church. Yeah, and just as a final thought, as you're, if you're in the institutional church, which we love the church, yes, we, love the we, support, Christ, we so support. So we're not saying no. not we're not saying to not go to church no. and just talk to people, <laughs> right? 
But when you go to when you go to your church, if you find I'm in this large church and I love this large church and I love the pastor's teachings and I love the worship and I just the whole thing, I'm just vibing with it and I want to be here. But you're not experiencing community. Just find a life group or whatever they call mm-hmm. it. A, a cell, cell group, group, small group, small community group, group discipleship community, group. <laughs> and see if you can find it's one meeting in your that. neighborhood and just go be a part of it. And mm-hmm. I can promise you it'll be messy. Mm-hmm. It'll be much harder there than just going to church. There may be drama. <laughs> just in purpose to be a part of life with these people, try to be a light to them and let them be a light to you. And you'll be surprised if you let people be a light to you, how much the Lord will delight in shining through them and encouraging you mm. and building and building yeah. up your life. That's really beautiful. And so um, that's our encouragement uh, for you this week. I think the main thing to remember out of all of this is that having a life-giving community where you are known and you know others, where if you are become crippled, you can know they're going to carry you to Jesus and mm-hmm. where you're willing to do the same for others. Having a life-giving community like that, if you're in that, mm-hmm. you can be in that, that is going to be essential to helping you walk the life of faith, helping Absolutely. you keep sure footing on the harder way and having the confidence to know that when you stumble on the harder way, it's not paved very well. You yeah. bust up your knees and maybe you skinned up your hands. There's going to be somebody to come along and dust you off and help you walk until you can walk on your own again. Mm-hmm. Because what have, what have we said? The number one way to ensure that you are going to be able to walk the harder way is to abide in Christ. And we know that we can abide in Christ through prayer and worship through his word, because we know the Bible is the book of Jesus, right? The book of Christ. But we can also abide in Christ through meaningful Christian community, because when we are engaging in deep relationships with fellow Christians, we are engaging with the body of Christ. So we can abide in Christ, which allows us to walk the harder way, by living in meaningful Christian community. And if you play your cards right, there may even be donuts and coffee. (laughs) (laughs) All right, God bless you guys. guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, Remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.